1: Welcome to Season 4, Episode 34 of They Walk Among Us, a podcast dedicated to UK true crime. Listener caution is advised, as this episode contains adult themes and descriptions that some listeners may find distressing. From the outside in, there did not seem to be anything wildly different about the Barris family. Six children and a single mother, Sarah, living together in a semi-detached house in the south of Yorkshire. But the Barris family were not the only occupants. Sarah shared her life with a secret so big she was willing to do absolutely anything, even the unthinkable, to protect it. Tristan and Blake Barris were the eldest of Sarah Barris' six sons. The boys in their early teens were pupils at Firth Park Academy. The school was on the same estate where they lived on Shire Green, a northern suburb of Sheffield. Both of the boys had a keen interest in cars and motorcycles, and Tristan liked to stand out by dyeing his hair bright colours. In 2017, Tristan appeared on a children's television programme called Our School. He had dyed his hair yellow as he was raising money for a friend who had been diagnosed with bone cancer. In the footage Tristan can be seen laughing and joking, telling the camera crew he picked yellow because it was his friend's favourite colour. With normal hair you look like any other person, he said. There were some behavioural issues with the Barris children, at home and at school, which was part of the reason why social services often visited the family. Social services had been a constant in Sarah Barris's life since she was a child. She was one of eight children. The siblings had four biological fathers, but predominantly, when they were not in care, lived with their mother, raised in a single-parent household in Sheffield. Martin Barris, one of Sarah's younger brothers, later recalled their childhood to a journalist for the Mirror newspaper. It was chaotic, he said. There were always people in and out drinking, smoking weed. We could go to bed when we wanted, get up when we wanted, not go to school. Martin felt his sister's behaviour changed when their older half-brother, Brandon Machin returned to live with the family after he had been placed in care. Sarah was a shy child, protective of her younger siblings, but she became someone else entirely when Brandon moved back home. Sarah and Brandon had a mutual love of horror films, and as they were unsupervised, the children would spend hours and hours watching them. The gore they experienced on screen spilt over into real life, as Martin would recollect. He explained, They love killing things and inflicting pain. We had mice, tiny little black and white things. One day I heard my sister Donna, who has since died, screaming and crying. I walked in and Brandon and Sarah were laughing, chasing the mice, stamping on them, killing them. I tried to push them away, but they were too strong. They were falling over laughing while we were in floods of tears, looking at the little bodies on the floor. Another time we were playing and Sarah shoved a girl out of a tree. She pushed her really hard and the girl screamed as she hit the floor, badly hurting her arm. Sarah just stood there laughing. She thought it was really funny. I knew from when they killed the mice that they were really evil. Martin Barris was confident that Brandon was an influencing factor over his sister's development. Once her and Brandon got close, she changed. She became a bully, Martin said. They would always be together and were thick as thieves. Brandon once beat someone up at school for no reason, just to impress Sarah. Recounting how scared he was, he spoke about the physical violence he suffered at the hands of his half-brother. Brandon would torment me. One day at the park, Brandon called me over, turned me upside down and rammed me headfirst into the floor. He terrified me. He was violent and would punch people for no reason and get into fights. Sarah was his sidekick. They were always whispering together. Now all in their thirties, Martin had moved to Wirral Merseyside and Sarah Barris and Brandon Machin remained in Sheffield. Sarah lived in a semi-detached property on Greg House Road in Shire Green and Brandon on Burn Greve Road nearly three miles away. He was a regular fixture at his sister's home, arriving at 7am daily, supporting Sarah with her six children, doing the school run and helping around the house, often making cups of tea. By all appearances, Brandon was a very supportive brother and uncle, easing the strain put on his sister because the children's father never seemed to be around. In fact, as far as the children could recall, he had never been around. When they asked about their biological father, they were told tall tales about his whereabouts – Inevitably, Sarah's explanation would have been questioned in time by one of her sons when they were older, and perhaps brave enough to query it. She told them that their father had died in World War II. An impossibility, since in 2019 Tristan and Blake Barris, her eldest children, were 13 and 14 years old respectively. Sarah was born four decades after the conflict. The identity of the father to all six children was only known to Sarah Barris and her half-brother Brandon Machin. Someone close to Sarah said she was planning a seventh child and had downloaded an app which claimed to be able to assist with conceiving your chosen gender. After six boys, she wanted a girl. Sarah told a friend of hers that the children's absent father made himself available when she wanted sex, or wanted to conceive a child. In spring 2019, Sarah Barris made several posts on Facebook, which may have seemed off-colour, but they foreshadowed what was to come. One of the posts was a quote from author Stephen King, it read, Murder is like potato chips. You can't stop with just one. In another, she said, I'm not mean or cold hearted. I'm just sick of being fucked over. A third was an image of death, holding a blood covered scythe with the words, Coming for you, printed across it. Sarah Barris confided to a friend that she was struggling. In one text message exchange she wrote I've thought of every possible solution to this mess mass murder putting them all in care checking in to the local nut house I love my kids too much to kill them I can't put them into care for the same reason. On May 23rd The Barris home received a visit from a social worker. Sarah was asked a question that she had until now skirted around. It was apparent the social worker saw it as imperative they know the answer. Sarah Barris was asked to reveal the identity of the children's father. It appeared as though Sarah Barris and Brandon Machin had discussed the matter and agreed on what to do if the issue of paternity arose. She sent Machin a horrifying text. It read, They need to die now. They need to die today. Brandon was, in fact, their father. The planned offspring of an incestuous affair that started many years before in their mid-teens after Brandon returned home from living in the care of social services. Now Sarah Barris was concerned that social workers involved with the family would unearth their secret subsequently taking the children into care, perhaps mirroring her own turbulent childhood. It was revealed later that they had been planning the murder of their children for the past nine days. It was a Thursday night. Barris made a post on Facebook and sent text messages claiming the children were unwell. She wrote that they had picked up a sickness bug, covering for her actions and stopping any concern when the boys didn't attend school on Friday. The evening before the children's bedtime, their parents gathered medication from around the house including one of the boys' prescriptions for ADHD. They insisted the four eldest boys swallow the pills, who were at first reluctant and refused to do it. Eventually they complied, taking the tablets with a swig of fizzy drink. If Sarah Barris and Brandon Machin's plan worked, the children would have died in their sleep. They didn't, and all four got up the next day, dazed and weakened by the medication. Barris sent a text message to Machen to let him know their sons were still alive. Machin came over to the house straight away and Barra searched online for other methods to kill her children. The Google searches included strangulation, drowning, and suffocation. What would follow next was the stuff of nightmares. Barra strangled her son Tristan with a dressing gown cord before Machin strangled Blake with his bare hands. They then swapped over and while the bodies of their sons were still in their beds... Barris and Machin wrapped plastic bin bags over the heads of the two eldest sons to make sure they were dead. Machin then went downstairs to get an energy drink. They both ran a bath and then tried to drown one of their petrified children. Thankfully, despite their repeated efforts, they didn't succeed. Sarah Barris then gathered her four youngest sons, two below the ages of 13, one age three and another eight months, and barricaded herself in the bedroom. She used her mobile phone to call the police. She told them that she had intended to kill all six children and then herself. Officers swiftly arrived and were allowed into the unkempt property on Greg House Road in Shire Green. Barris and the children were still in her bedroom. She was clutching a notebook which was open on the header page. She had written funeral arrangements. She was asked where her oldest two boys were. She claimed they were not home, they were staying with some neighbours. But one of the younger boys caught the attention of an officer and bravely, without speaking, he moved his finger across his throat, motioning that his brothers were dead. Sarah Barris snapped at the youngster. "Stop. Don't say that." And it was 7:30 a.m. on Friday, May 24, 2019. The street was suddenly filled with emergency service vehicles. Medics and police rushed to the scene with an air ambulance landing in the playground of a nearby school. Tristan and Blake were lying on the bunks in their bedroom. And miraculously, they were still alive. Less than two hours later in the emergency room, Tristan and Blake both lost their struggle to cling to life, only 12 minutes apart. Tristan was pronounced dead at 9.14am and Blake passed away at 926 The four remaining children had been taken to a hospital. Two were suffering vomiting and hallucinations from being forced to consume a cocktail of drugs the evening before. Thankfully, later that day, all four were physically well enough to leave, though the psychological effects of what happened to them over the last two days would forever remain with them. Aaron Brunskill, a neighbour to the Barris family, spoke with reporters shortly after police and the ambulance service arrived. He said, Suddenly we had about 20 police cars and 4 ambulances. We had 15 directly on the street outside and 5 more further down. Then the air ambulance came. They were just taking children away. The air ambulance landed in the school. There was nowhere else it could have landed I imagine. People say you never expect it to happen on your front doorstep and we don't. We didn't know what it was to do with. I have not seen the amount of police like it before. Floral tributes, teddies and balloons clung to a portion of the fence outside the property where the tragic events took place. Providing few details, Superintendent Paul McCurry of the South Yorkshire Police was interviewed. Good afternoon. Uh, we're here on Greg House Road here in Sheffield. Uh, a tragic scene of events. Uh, this morning at around 7:30, the emergency services responded to a property on this street. Um, as a result of, of that, a number of children were taken to hospital. Uh, sadly, two children have since died and four children remain in hospital. As you can appreciate, this is a very early stage of our investigation our detectives are supporting the family, Uh, the family are aware of the circumstances, and our inquiries will continue to develop during the day. I think it's really important that I reassure reassure the wider community that there is no wider risk. Two people have been arrested on suspicion of murder and remain in police custody. At the time, Only snippets of information were given to the press. Detectives confirmed the method of murder was not a shooting and the tragedy took place at one property. Strict reporting restrictions applied. A High Court injunction was put in place to stop the naming of any of the four surviving children involved in the case. South Yorkshire Police warned the public that anyone who breached the ban could be charged with contempt of court. The restrictions also included social media posts or comments.
2: This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which
1: What's more, all of Centair's more than 60 fragrances are phthalate free, cruelty free, safe for families, and ecovadis certified sustainable. Differentiate your space with Scent. Try luxury home fragrance trusted by the pros by going to centair.com and using promo code Among Us for an extra 25% off your first order. That's promo code Among Us for an extra 25% off your first order at Center.com. Sarah Barris, 34, and Brandon Machin, 38, were remanded in custody and appeared in court four days later. They were charged with the murder of their two sons, and Barris was also charged with three counts of attempted murder against two other children. At the ten-minute hearing, the pair wearing prison-issued tracksuits did not enter a plea. Each defendant spoke only to confirm their name, address and nationality. Sarah Barris was in tears as she entered the courtroom. She became distraught when she saw both her friends and family in the public gallery. Hysterical, Barris was allowed to leave momentarily to compose herself. A member of the public shouted Bastard when Brandon Machin's name was read aloud. He did not react. He simply stared straight ahead. The pair were separated in the glass dock by several prison guards, but managed to exchange several words before the proceedings began. Sarah Barris briefly interrupted, shouting at the magistrate that they had incorrectly spelt her son's names. They're my children, Barris exclaimed. She was heard screaming, protesting her innocence as she was escorted out of the building. I didn't kill my boys, Barris yelled. Swear to God, I didn't do it. You will see. Swear to God, you will all fucking see. Unsurprisingly, due to the extreme nature of the charges, both defendants were told by Judge Roger Thomas QC that they would remain in custody until their next court appearance at Sheffield Crown Court less than a month later on June 21st. A provisional trial date was later set for November 12th, 2019. On June 2nd, The church vigil was held at St. James and St. Christopher's Church on Bell House Road for Tristan and Blake Barris. Shire Green is a friendly and resilient community that has been shaken by this tragic event, the Reverend David Dean Revel said. Today many people are mourning and showing their respect, love and care for the very sad loss of two very young lives. We will continue to pray for the family. And all those affected by this tragic event. The attendees lit candles in remembrance. A mother of one of Blake and Tristan's friends, Dawn Johnson, spoke to a reporter for the BBC. They were just absolutely lovely, full of life. I'm here to join everyone else and remember the boys and to help the children come to terms with what has happened. Three days after the vigil, an inquest was opened at Sheffield Medico Legal Centre. With the case ongoing, a funeral for either Tristan or Blake was not yet possible, as the teenagers' bodies were unable to be released. The results of the post-mortems were not yet available. Condolences were offered to the wider family by Coroner Christopher Dorries, but ultimately the inquest had to be adjourned. Pending the outcome of the trial. On August 8th, 2019, a joint funeral for Tristan and Blake was finally held. The community and family in attendance made every effort to make the send off specific to the tastes of the teenagers who died. Tristan and Blake's love of cars and motorbikes was honoured in a spectacular way. Approximately 300 bikers on their motorcycles led the journey in front of the hearse, which had a single coffin that both boys were laid to rest in. The procession of motorbikes was joined by two Lamborghini sports cars. The ceremony was absent the teenager's mother Sarah and father Brandon who were both in custody. Friends and members of their wider family remembered the Barris brothers fondly. Matthew Saunders, who knew Tristan and Blake, told reporters, I hope they're smiling in the sunshine. I hope they're always together. I hope they're full of love together. Matthew Saunders spoke about the circumstances surrounding the children's deaths and said family and friends were trying to make sense out of something that will never make sense. Another attendee, Danielle Bain, said, Words can't describe how proud I am of these two boys. They were happy, funny, bright boys. More importantly, they were caring and polite. Civil celebrant Lisa Livesey was interviewed after the ceremony. And I think the service today reflected that with the amount of people there, the love that was there for both of them. I think just summed up everything that people thought about them through those years. Martin Barris, brother to Sarah Barris and half-brother to Brandon Machin spoke exclusively to the Mirror newspaper on November 2nd, 2019. When discussing his sister, he said, I knew Brandon was capable of murder, and I knew she was, but I never thought she'd kill her own kids.
2: Her behaviour, the way she'd act, like um, animals, for one. Finding a bird's nest, and she killed two birds just straight across with stones, and I was crying my eyes out, and she wasn't even asked. The mice that she had, that she just stamped on, wasn't normal behaviour. I was in tears and she was just
1: laughing. Understandably, after losing his nephews in such a horrific way, Martin said of his siblings, Those two have been evil since birth. They are both as bad as each other. They are both murdering evil psychopaths. Martin recalled a worrying incident that happened years earlier. I witnessed Brandon's violence towards Blake years ago and I knew something wasn't right. I visited them when Tristan was still in his pushchair and Blake was only a toddler. He must have been three or four. We were out walking when Brandon grabbed Blake's arm really roughly and dragged him across the floor. It was enough to know something wasn't right so I called social services and asked them to look into it. If they had the boys might still be here today I had concerns so I reported them to social services it was 2009 or 2010 that I made complaints it was 3 or 4 phone calls I told them about the incident I was told they would look into it but I didn't hear back from them I felt like I was ignored I felt I wasn't listened to our world has been ripped apart I've lost my little nephews. When the authorities heard about Martin Barris’s claims that they were contacted three times, in relation to Sarah Barris and Brandon Machin’s treatment towards the children, they flatly denied that social services were ever contacted. Martin said he had only learnt about the death of his nephews through a social media post on Facebook. He described how he felt like someone had taken a sledgehammer to his stomach. I instantly felt sick, he said. He got in touch with family members to find out more. I spoke to my mum and she said Sarah and Brandon had been arrested. The next day she told me they had been charged. I was disgusted. There are no words for them. Blake and Tristan were polite, kind-hearted lads. It's a tragic waste of life. On September 27th, 2019, Sarah Barris, now 35, and Brandon Machin, 39, appeared at Sheffield Crown Court. The pair admitted to two counts of murder, five counts of attempted murder and one count of conspiracy to murder. Sentencing was due to take place on November 12th. Machen and Barris were told by Judge Jeremy Richardson QC, No words of mine can ever fully reflect the enormity of what you have both done. The crimes you have committed quite frankly speak for themselves. The murder of two children... The attempted murder of four children and the overarching conspiracy to murder those children. I repeat, these crimes speak for themselves. I have little doubt that each of you will, in due course, be sentenced to several terms of life imprisonment. This may well be the case, but it's a matter for the judge where a whole life order is imposed. Tuesday, November 12, 2019. The press and members of the public in attendance at Sheffield Crown Court for the sentencing of Brandon Machin and Sarah Barris would discover the disturbing details of what happened to the Barris family over those two days in May that same year. After killing his sons, Brandon Machin callously told police he had quote, that feeling when you just want to strangle the life out of someone. Carmemelli QC, acting on behalf of the Crown, told the court nothing could have prepared those two police constables for the scene they had found. The facade of the family was relatively normal. Carmemelli QC explained, the picture of the Sarah Barris household prior to the events in 2019 was, to the outside world, a household of a loving single mum with six children, heavily supported by her brother Brandon Machin. In fact, unknown to everyone but the defendants, Brandon Machin was in a sexual relationship with his half-sister Sarah Barris and he was the father of all six children. The children believed and even told officers at the scene that their father was dead, having died in the Second World War. The QC said it was quote, clear that the relationship between the two defendants was of a consensual sexual relationship. The impression left on acquaintances of Sarah Barris was that she was in charge of that relationship. She quote, definitely wore the trousers. Onlookers in the public gallery at Sheffield Crown Court heard how Barris regularly told her children, I gave you life, I can take it away. The prosecutor said that speaking to the boys in that way was described as an everyday thing. Admitting his client's crimes were nothing but evil, Brian Cox QC said that Sarah Barris had been profoundly damaged by her childhood before she was taken into care. He claimed Barris had suffered neglect and emotional, physical and sexual abuse. The defendant was desperate to prevent her children being taken into care, he said. She couldn't cope with the prospect of them being removed. Sarah Barris had contacted the local council to ask for help with her children. The court also heard a victim impact statement pieced together by social workers, which included details of how the surviving children were coping with such a betrayal and loss. It was read to the court by the prosecutor. It mentioned that the older two children wanted their parents to go to prison for three hundred years. It was evident based on the impact statements that the surviving children were still unaware that Machin was their biological father, as they thought their father was dead. Two of the four surviving children were too young to independently contribute. Meli QC spoke of the fear that the children had that they would turn into killers like their parents. She said When the older two children were told Sarah and Brandon had pleaded guilty to the murders of their brothers and the attempted murders of them one of them said that they were worried they would become a murderer when they were older because that's what mum and Brandon did. They said they didn't want to be like that. Both the older children are emotionally broken and don't know why this happened. They repeatedly ask why and how. We don't have answers. Both kept saying they just wanted a nice family home and say they want their brothers back because it's too hard without them. There's no doubt that all four children will need ongoing psychological support. The court was told that even when the youngest children were distraught, they rarely if ever asked for either their mother or Machin to comfort them. Carmamelli QC revealed that the boys were having a hard time coming to terms with their brothers' deaths. They were, quote, really struggling, knowing they will not see their big brothers again, and not seeing their other siblings every day. They have lost everything. After mitigation, sentencing Sarah Barris and Brandon Machin, Mr. Justice Goss said, Both the children who survived were clearly aware of some of the terrifying events surrounding the deaths of their brothers and your attempt to drown one of them. The initial effect on them as described by them was frightening. Unsurprisingly, they are extremely upset and anxious. The statement from their social worker on their behalf describes their inevitable confusion, the effect of the loss of their brothers upon them, and the incredible emotional hardship of these events on the older children and of being separated. Inevitably, they will require a significant amount of support. The long-term consequences for them and the younger children as they grow older and become aware of what happened cannot be known, but it is likely to be significant. You considered your love for them and fear of being parted from them, Entitled you to take their lives as well as your own For the murders Brandon Machin and Sarah Barris Were both sentenced to a minimum term of 35 years Behind bars They also faced an additional 10 years For the counts of conspiracy to murder And attempted murder Which would run concurrently with the murder charges With reporting restrictions lifted, besides the identities of the four living Barris children, the media were now able to report that Sarah Barris and Brandon Machin were half-siblings. Family friend Matthew Saunders spoke about Blake and Tristan, who he described as, two beautiful, confident and outgoing boys who both had a bright future ahead of them. Daily life will never be the same again now. The boys have left behind younger siblings whose lives have been turned upside down. They adored their older brothers and they looked up to them. The boys have also left behind close family friends and younger children who looked up to them and who saw them on a regular basis. And this tragedy hasn't just affected those close to them but the whole community too. A piece of all our hearts died on the 24th of May, 2019, which we will never get back. Blake and Tristan leave a huge empty void in our lives and we did not get the chance to say goodbye. The criminologist at Birmingham City University, Professor Elizabeth Yardley, was interviewed by a reporter for the Daily Record about the crimes committed by Sarah Barris. She said, The important thing to emphasise is this kind of thing doesn't come out of the blue. You don't turn from a loving parent one day into a filicidal killer the next. She would have seen her children not as individuals with rights and autonomy, but as things to be controlled. They were her possessions. She owned them. She was quoted as saying to the children, I gave you life, I can take it away. So she doesn't see her children as individuals to be loved and nurtured. That would come in turn from her own experiences. One of the most common factors is the parents have experienced abuse or neglect as children themselves. There is that kind of normalisation of abuse and violent behaviour. But a lot of people have abusive childhoods and very few will go on to harm or kill other people. Dismissing the defence used by Sarah Barris, the professor went on to say, I think that is nonsense. That has been the case for years, the risk of this secret sexual relationship coming out ever since the first children were born. So why now? Why choose to kill them at this point? I think there's more to it. I'm totally speculating here. But if you look at the order of events, they've killed the eldest children first. And the eldest children represent the biggest threat and the biggest risk if they were going to disclose some information that would compromise the parents' control of the children. That's what this all boils down to, is control. I'm really skeptical of the narrative that has emerged around this case. Executive Director of People's Services at Sheffield City Council explained that focus remains on the well-being of the surviving children. The Sheffield Children's Safeguarding Partnership, a statutory body responsible for overseeing safeguarding children, initiated a Serious Case Review, or SCR, to investigate what happened. Discussing the next steps... Executive Director John McIlrath went on to say, This is such a tragic and we hope isolated case that it is vital to examine every aspect in order to establish what can be learned to inform the development of future professional practice. We anticipate that the SCR will take up to six months, but this is subject to many factors and time scales may change. The most important thing is taking the necessary time to get the review right. We have many hundreds of families in Sheffield who are cared for by our children's services, but there are always new lessons to learn, so we need to understand alongside all partners in the city as much as we can about why and how these tragic events happened, as much as it is ever possible to understand such a terrible act. as at the time of this recording, no further details of the review are available. So where are we now? In an interview, Martin Barris, brother to Sarah Barris, mused about what life would have been like for Tristan and Blake had they still been alive. They'd have had wonderful careers, I know that, he said. They could have joined the police or whatever they had chosen to do.
2: It's messed me up a little bit. And
1: I really, I I feel
2: numb at times as well. Like, guilty. I mean, I should have spoke more or, you know what I mean, gone down and seen them more. Should have done something more. You know, I could have picked up on something. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I feel guilty and feel like I've let down as everyone else.
1: Thank you for listening, and special thanks to our Patreon supporters. Information on this episode can be found in the show notes or on our website, theywalkamonguspodcast.com.